0: Yes, it's always good to be on the Anarchist World this week and have no technical difficulties. It's always a good day when there are no technical difficulties and there are none today because unlike most programs on air, this program is live, L-I-V-E. It is not pre-recorded. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes. This is the Anarchist World this week broadcast via the Community Radio Network across Australia uh, via Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We've had a little trouble with the podcast, but that's all been fixed now. So there are podcasts available. If you missed a program, don't despair. If nature calls during the next hour, Asia knocks on the door, your neighbour wants a cup of sugar, don't despair. The Anarchist World This Week is podcast. You can access the podcast for the next few weeks by going to three CR.org dot What's anarchy? You'd think we said what's happening with Donald? No, or the Groper I should say, President Groper, elect No, 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 no. An anarchist society is a voluntary, non hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision making, that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why these concepts? Anarchos without rulers. An Anarchos society it's a society without rulers. If you don't have rules, what are the institution what is the institutional framework? Which uh, breaks down the power of rulers. That institutional framework is giving everybody involved in decision a power to make that decision. It's about holding wealth in common. It's about devolving power and holding wealth in common and using for the common good. That's the best way that I know, and I'm always happy to be re educated. If you can send me to a re education camp, make sure there's a pool. That's a pool table, not a pool. Who'd go swimming? All right. Let's be serious. Anarchist World of This Week. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, how close we are to barbarism on a daily basis. Because we like to think we're a very civilized people. That it's all hunky dory, that we live in a civilized society. But as we've seen in Syria, it doesn't take long for barbarism to become part and parcel of everyday existence. That veneer of civilization, that veneer of respectability, doesn't take long to crumble, especially in a multicultural community. I mean, that veneer of respectability in a monocultural community where everybody knows their place with a common culture and a common language, a little bit easier to maintain that social order and that social cohesion. But in a multicultural community, the cohesion which exists, which allows us to survive and prosper as a community is based on the concept that we all have something to contribute, irrespective of our religious beliefs or no religious beliefs, our sexual orientation, and the list goes on and on. You know that you know you know the drill. So it's interesting to see what's happening in the United States of America and in the land of Oz. Quite interesting because what we are seeing is a replay in slow motion of the 1920s of the same type of reactions occurring in society to what are perceived to be issues, but magnified by the speed of technology. So social cohesion is now under extraordinary pressures, especially in a multicultural community. Extraordinary pressures. As we see people turn on each other and make political, social capital out of our perceived differences. It's quite fascinating... It's like watching a train wreck in slow motion, seeing the train, see the obstacle, put on the brakes and then smash into the obstacle and then disintegrate. So social cohesion is central to who we are and what creates social cohesion, what creates social cohesion and what destroys social cohesion and what are we seeing happening in our community which which is putting social cohesion under pressure? You know? What are we to do? What is putting this social cohesion under pressure? And what is putting it under pressure is increasing inequality. The history of Australia since the turn of the 20th century as far as significant sections of the community was concerned not all sections of the community especially Indigenous Australians have always been marginalised in this society. The history was a history of through struggle people breaking down not only their social isolation, but creating an economically independent individual within society who was able to look after their needs. So, what we had since the since the turn of the beginning of the twentieth century was this struggle for equality not a struggle for nationalism or independence, but a struggle for economic equality, not just social equality, but economic equality. And right up to the dismissal of the Whitlam Labour government in 1975 before the globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation and privatisation revolution, which has swept over this country and every other country on the, in the globe, or most other countries, countries in the globe what we saw is the divisions which were there becoming absorbed I'm not saying there were no divisions obviously there were divisions with each new wave of migration there were divisions but each new wave of migrants was actually able to be absorbed into the community and their contribution was was respected but what we are seeing today what we are seeing today is a breakdown in that social cohesion and what we are seeing is we are seeing forces within society use that breakdown in social cohesion to promote a monocultural wonderland which never existed. Everybody else really has no place in that monocultural community and we are seeing that on a daily basis. We are seeing the social gains which were made for the first 75 years of the 20th century being destroyed as the economic gains are being destroyed. And obviously, people are feeling isolated. They're feeling pigeonholed, marginalised around the country. And there is an increasing number of people who find they have no future in this community. No future whatsoever, not just for themselves, but their children and their children's children. There is no longer any role for them. And the dilemma is that many people think that the lack of a future for them is directly linked to somebody's religious belief or somebody's cultural origins, or somebody's racial origins, or somebody's sexual orientation, or somebody's gender, and the list goes on and on. We tend to look at the people around us and blame them. And it's understandable. It is totally, 100% understandable that in that situation that you look at for scapegoats and when you have a 24 hour driven media cycle which is dominated by the corporate owned media and to a lesser degree by the government guild at ABC Australian Broadcasting Corporation what you hear and see 24 hours a day is the same divisive garbage where it's very simple to pigeonhole whole communities because of the behaviour of sections of that community and create that them and us mentality which is so pivotal to destroying the social cohesion which is needed for a multicultural society to function effectively not just in terms of matters of justice but in terms of economics so what's happened what's happened in the last 45 years what's happened that has significantly transformed the type of society we were becoming well what's happened is that Parliament has lost the ability to make legislation to protect the interests of its citizens and residents. Power, real power, no longer lies in this country In Parliament, it lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations whose primary responsibility and only responsibility is to maximise return for their major shareholders. Maximise return for their major shareholders. That is their only responsibility. They have no other responsibility. And with the globalisation of the world economy and with the domination of economic activity by these corporations, what we are seeing is the creation of a society which is based on increasing inequality. Not just increasing inequality, but a society where the social elevator has been destroyed not stopped but actually dismantled and the pieces have been sold you know to the highest bidder so we now have sections of the community who will never irrespective of the you know the jabberings irrespective of the of the garbage which comes out of the um, to a significant degree of the Liberal National Party who are finding themselves in a situation where life will not change. There will not be any opportunities. So the fact that President-elect Groper in the United States of America finds himself in a position of power is to a significant degree driven, driven by that increasing inequality and driven by the belief that in, that inequality is directly related, directly related to the fact that we are part of a multicultural community, that people, that it's a country which is made up of migration. So that's the issue. The issue in Australia. and the United States of America, and Canada to a lesser degree, is the same issue, because we are settler societies. And let's not forget that. We are settler communities. We walked into these lands, took what we wanted, forcefully, almost, but not completely, wiped out the original inhabitants and then implanted ourselves in the country through waves of migration. Waves of migration from different parts of the globe to build this polygot community. And the essence which allowed that social cohesion to continue was the fact that every new wave of migrants was actually able to buy the Australian dream or the American dream. And that's why people came here. Some were refugees. Some came here because there was no economic opportunity. Most came because there was no economic opportunity in the countries of origin. So, we had this social cohesion, which was based on the fact that people had a fairer share of the economic rewards which occurred. And more importantly, their children had the ability through hard work, to climb that social elevator and be part of the community. Today, what we are seeing is two groups of people who are being denied, denied access to that dream. Two huge groups of people. Not only the new immigrant who's pigeonholed as a troublemaker, whose children are left languishing, who then rebel in the only way they know how, but also all those Australians who have lived here for generations who now find themselves and their children, find that they are incapable, not unwilling, but incapable, irrespective of how hard they work, incapable of accessing that social elevator. Incapable. And while it was restricted to the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive, the country chugged on. While Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders were marginalised on the very lands they owned for a millennium, the country chugged on. But what's happening today is... That same rot which is marginalising new immigrants and which is marginalising the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive is now marginalising an increasing number of people in the workforce. An increasing number of people in the workforce. Job security is a thing of the past. Part-time contract work is the go. And why is part-time contract work the go? Why is this insecure type of employment the go? In 2016. Why is it, why is it so? You used to, Professor Julius Sumner Miller used to say, why is it so? Well, it's simple. It's so deadly simple that I just don't understand why so few people don't see it. Well, it's deadly simple. Why is it so? The four pillars of the post-Whitlam revolution which have swept this country have been based on the maximum of creating ever-increasing profits for unaccountable shareholders and incorporating Australians, those who work, superannuation benefits into the very system which exploits them day in and day out. So why is it so? Well, regulation. Obviously there's petty regulation and there's regulation. Many regulations have been put in place to protect the individual in the workplace or to secure the individual's place in society, to ensure that we have a community that actually works within certain parameters. And these regulations were brought in to protect us. Regulations were brought in to protect the environment. So what's the first thing? That Mr. Turnbull and his cohorts, and to a lesser degree, Mr. Shorten and his cohorts, who were responsible for the beginning of the deregulation revolution, let's not forget that, and the privatisation revolution. So, what's the first thing they do? They say, cut, cut, cut. What's the first thing that, you know, President elect Donald Groper says he will do? Cut the regulations regarding. Climate change. Allow the polluters back on board. Maybe that way there'll be a few more jobs. Hmm? Allow people into the economic network. Think about it. Think about it. It doesn't work that way. What we are seeing, as I said at the beginning of the program, is a replication of the 1920s. Create phony money. Increase debt. Increase inflation increased interest rates, destroy the middle class, create the social conditions for the reemergence of a, a fascist society, which is led by a strong, tough ruler who's going to solve anything, everything by us dancing to their tune. I mean, students of history who care to look back one century, 90 years, would be alarmed very alarmed at the similarities between the 1920s and what's occurring in the United States of America and Australia today in 2016 because it's eerily familiar pick out the other if it's not a Jew, it's the black if it's not a black, it's the aboriginal if it's not the aboriginal, it's the gay it goes on and on pick out somebody marginalise them blame them for all the problems of the universe promise to Keep these people under control, or even remove them from the community, and hey presto, you know, we arrive at the uh, nirvana. It's just extraordinary. So let's get back. Let's get back to the original proposition about social cohesion. So what we are seeing is the destruction of the middle class. Why do you think there are no wage rises? And the geniuses who are in control of the economy now say. Oh, no wage rises, nobody can buy stuff. Why do you think there is so much tax avoidance amongst corporate Australia? Legal tax avoidance. Why do you think there's never enough money for um, public health, public education, public infrastructure, public security, and the list goes on and on? Why are there never enough resources for Social Security benefits? Not welfare, Social Security benefits. Every word is laden, you know, with its own derogatory connotations. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you wish to have a conversation, leave a message on o four three nine three nine five four eight nine. 395 489. I will get back to you in the next 24 hours, hopefully. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. So what we are seeing is... The very people, the very organisations which are responsible for the social dislocation and the removal, the destruction of the social cohesion which a multicultural society needs to function effectively. These are the people which are profiting from the legislative agenda which is passed by, through, by Parliament, which continues to put the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever increasing profits for their major shareholders ahead of the people they represent in Parliament. So, no wonder there is this wave of anger. I mean, people like to tell us it's been always the same. But it hasn't been always the same. The wave of anger that we are seeing now is a more guttural wave of anger. It's a more pox on all your houses wave of anger. It's something which is seeping into the national consciousness. Today, in 2016, honest, hard-working people who pay their taxes obey the laws, get on with their neighbours, do what they can to resolve issues they face are considered to be fools and dopes and idiots. That's right. That's what they think we are. Fools, dopes, idiots, morons. While people who make their wealth by exploiting other people's labor. These are the heroes and heroines of the 2016. the novo rich and the old rich melding together. Those who use capital to create profitable enterprises, at the expense of the people who do the work to make those enterprises profitable. These are the heroes and heroines, those who are involved in excessive consumption. These are the people that we are expected to look up to. While honest, hardworking people who do the right thing are considered to be fools and idiots for doing the right thing. Those in power, those who exercise power, continue to profit at the expense of the majority of people in this country. Those of you who believe in traditional class analysis, throw that class analysis out of the door. It doesn't exist in 21st century Australia. We have four classes, four classes in Australia, four classes. One does very well, one does reasonably well, and 80% of the population or 85% of the population, well, bad luck. You are the collateral damage to ensure that 15% enjoy themselves. And it's not based on traditional occupations, blue-collar work, white-collar work, professional class, middle class, upper-middle class, working class, proletariat. Forget about all that shit. Because it is shit at the end of the day in the 21st century. There's no point using 19th-century concepts to try to explain a potential 21st-century disaster. Australia is divided into four classes. We've got the one-percenters, and we all know about the one-percenters. Everybody who listens to this program knows that 1% is. That small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication who have really done well through the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatization revolution. You know, people like President-elect Donald Groper. You know, people like President-elect Donald Groper who have done really well. By not paying taxes Legally, of course We've done exceptionally well The 1% is 40 years ago For every dollar an investor invested They got a return of one third And the people who did the work to create that profit Got a return of 66 cents Today, 40 years later For every dollar somebody You know, 1% is Invests they receive a return of 66 cents and, a, and the other 33.3 cents goes to the people who create that profit. Because capital is useless. It's a construct. It's not real. You can't eat capital. You can't have sexual intercourse with it. You can't wear it. It's what it allows you to do. So we've got people who don't actually do any work, but have access to capital, who then use that capital to create so-called jobs, and the list goes on and on. I mean, I'll go down that. So you've got the one percenters. We all know about the one percenters. They've always been around. Whether it's kings or queens, the murderers and the butchers, you know, who use the name of God to give themselves ultimate authority over the community and lauded over the community. I mean, human history is replete with examples of such scum. It's the same in 21st century Australia. Then you've got the new class, a new class of people. The, those who allow the 1% to continue to be the 1%, the investment class. And you can be a blue-collar worker in a good job or you can be a white-collar worker in a managerial position or you can be a professional who likes to gouge the public and you can easily become a member of the investment class. And there are 15% of Australians, around 14 to 15%, who are part of the investment class. And once you become part of the investment class and that is solely, 100%, dependent on the amount of excess capital you have outside your immediate needs to invest. You can then take um, advantage of all the corporate-friendly taxation laws that we have in this country, which allow people who own more than one home to receive a tax windfall through negative gearing, which allow people who invest in the stock market to claim their losses as a tax deduction. So what we've had is a change, not just a cultural change, but an economic change based on legislative initiatives which have been taken to create this investment class. And this investment class... It is overlays overlays your traditional working class analysis. because you can be a worker, earning a very good wage and then automatically become part of the investment class. And then you have the dopes, people like you and me, the idiots, you know, the morons, people who obey the law, pay their taxes, pay their fines, try to educate their children, do what they can to help their neighbours, be a member of the community, do some voluntary work. The wage earner. 67 cents of every dollar which is collected in this country comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. Not from the corporate sector, but pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. You know, these are the people who are now the breeding ground. They have become the breeding ground for the masters and mistresses of hate. Their dissatisfaction with their life, the fact that they're no longer valued, their contribution to life is no longer valued, our underlying uneasiness about what's happening in the world today. We even have now the middle class. The pay as you earn taxpayer has become the breeding ground for the racists, the misogynists, the homophobes, and the list goes on and on. They are canvassing, knocking on doors, saying to the pay as you earn taxpayer, your problem is not related to the one percenters or the investment class. The problems that you face in society today are directly related to the other. Directly, re- and if we can remove the other, we will rule the world. Yeah, been a bit melodramatic there, sorry. So, there you are. The pay-as-you-earn taxpayer, the new recruitment ground, who don't see the one percenters or the investment class, as the cause of the situation they find themselves in, in the increasingly insecure marketplace they find themselves in, where you're mortgaged up to the neck, where bills keep coming in every day, where you don't know where you're going to pay the next bill, who you're going to have to, you know, what... Maggot bank, you're gonna or lending institution, you're gonna have to, you know, go to to try to get a little bit more, buy a little bit more capital, in order to survive. And then you have, and that that makes up about fifty five, sixty, sixty five percent of the community. Pay as you earn, taxpayers. And then you have, well, it's more fifty five. Then you have the 33% of Australians, that's one in three, who are totally reliant on social security benefits to survive. And that means, in the majority of cases, less than $400 a week. Whether you're on a single parent's benefit, a disability support pension, a new start allowance, or an old age pension, that is... Is your lot. So there you have it, four classes, four different groups of people in Australian society. And if you use this analysis, it will give you a better understanding of what's happening. The one percenters, fifteen percent investment class, fifty five percent, you know, pays you earn taxpayer. Thirty, you know, around thirty three percent of people on social security benefits gives you an understanding. So if you think that by pigeonholing certain sections of the community, if you think by dividing and rule that we're going to resolve the issues which, you know, President elect Donald Groper thinks he's going to resolve, think again. Because we need to make Parliament accountable. And you are not going to make it accountable by electing people into positions of power who have myopic agendas which are based on humiliating and ostracising the other. It's just not going to happen. And as far as the traditional political parties you know that there's nothing going for them. And even the Greens you've seen in the last two or three years move across, move across, trying to take the centre ground which the Labour party, party vacated 40 years ago. So it is a difficult situation. It is a difficult situation, but it's not insurmountable. And that's the key. Because what we're seeing in Groperland, in the US of A, what we're seeing is that people are saying uh uh-uh, uh 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 ultimate political authority doesn't rest in the presidency or in Australian parliament. Ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people. It rests in the hands of the people. Nowhere else, not in the bureaucracy, not the state, not you know the you know the current batch of parliamentary representatives, but it rests in the people. And they are taking to the streets. And they are making their concerns known. And they're going to make that country ungovernable. They're going to put the lid back on the bottle which allowed the hate mongers out into the community. And they will do it by increasing militant action in that country. And we are seeing the same thing happen in this country. We are seeing exactly the same thing happen in this country where that social cohesion is now under threat. under threat, serious fret. And it'll be people like you and me who are willing to raise these issues publicly and do something about them publicly, both in extra parliamentary and a parliamentary framework, who will turn the tide. King Canute couldn't turn the tide, but we can turn the political tide. Revolution comes from the word revolve, everything turns round, And we may find, you know, President-elect Donald Groper's mates have the political high ground today, but with enough resistance, they will become the past. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, a few little things that are happening, just to keep you informed, because obviously you don't want me to talk to you, at you, you know, for hours... I'm sure you don't. Well, if you didn't, you'd gone off long ago. Now, what are we doing? We've got a few things coming up. We've got the Eureka Celebrations in Ballarat on the 3rd of December. It's on a Saturday. No excuses. You can drive there. You know, fly into Ballarat. You know, come into the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations starting at 4 a.m. That's right, 4 a.m. Finishing at 10pm. Full day. Full day. Think about it. 14, what's that? 10am, 4am to 10pm. That's uh, 18 hours of continuous activity. 4am, dawn ceremony. We have that at Eureka Park at the corner of stall and Eureka Street in Ballarat. At the site the Rebellion took place. If you come to Eureka Park, you've never been there before, 4am, look for the place where there are the little lights at the corner of Stool and Eureka Street. Now, down in the gully is the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka. On top of the hill, there's these cannons set in, which were set there in 1884 to mark the 30th anniversary of the Eureka Rebellion and the Eureka Memorial Horde. Join us at 4am. You don't have to ring anybody. You don't have to reserve anything. You just got to be there at 4am. If you get there a bit late, fine, but it's good to be there at 4am, at the very spot the Eureka Rebellion took place on the 3rd of December 1854, 162 years ago. This will go for about two hours. The ceremony will be broadcast via Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, and that broadcast is accessible via uh, the net. 3cr.org.au 6pm to 9pm community breakfast in Eureka Hall outside Eureka Hall some people take the time to get a little bit of a nap before the next activities begin now we don't cater you bring your own food and drinks share food and drinks this is a collective event this is not about you go someplace you buy a ticket you know and bingo everything happens for you this is a self K event. Bring food and drinks. There's a possibility you can you can boil your tea, boil your coffee. There's hot water available. Yes, you, know, you know there's places to sit, but you need to bring food and drinks to share. That's that's the collective nature of the Eureka experience. Nine a.m. We gather outside the Eureka Memorial Hall at the corner of Eureka and Stall Street, and with our banners and flags, march down the street to Bakery Hill Now Bakery Hill is the site where on the 29th of November the Eureka rebels took the Eureka Oath We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties Bakery Hill will be announcing the winners of the Eureka Australia Day Medal Now, the funny thing about receiving an honour in Australia in 2016, you receive it on two days. You either receive it on Invasion Day, the 26th of January, or the Queen's birthday in June. How extraordinary, 10th of June usually. How extraordinary. How could anybody accept an honour on those days? So we have a Eureka Australia Day medal. To honour Australians, you will never see in the Eureka Day, you never see in the official honours list, who have done more to improve and change this country than anybody you will see on an official honours list. And we have a range of people who will be announced on the day and will be back, back announced on the next Anarchist will this week. I think it's about the 7th or 8th, 7th of December. But they will be there to receive the Eureka medal. They'll make a speech. We'll be there for about an hour. And then from there we walk down the street outside the Ballarat Town Hall where once again the Eureka flag will not be flown on the main flagpole. You know, it's quite extraordinary to think. The Eureka flag has never been flown on the main flagpole on the Ballarat Town Hall because the people of Ballarat and their representatives in the Ballarat City Council have always been a little bit wary of what it was all about. Remember, it was a revolution. It was an armed revolution. Let's not forget. We'll have the Eureka Stump Orations where people will be invited to speak from the crowd and from there we will walk another two or three kilometres to the old Ballarat Cemetery to the common Eureka grave, the mass grave of the Eureka rebels, about half the Eureka rebels, who died on that day. And that's right, people died on that day. Died on that day for their beliefs. Slaughtered for their beliefs. Slaughtered by a government which uh, had no interest in them. You know, slaughtered. Pay our respects to those people and the others who died on the day. And then at around 1 o'clock, about 12.30, we'll walk from there to the Ballarat Trades Hall at 24 Camp Street in Ballarat, behind the Art Gallery. You can't miss it. For a light lunch, bring your own food and uh, drinks can be purchased at the bar. The bar will be open for us then. From there, we will walk down to the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka, get there at about 230 to uh, have a look at the Eureka flag and discuss what it means and the history of the Eureka flag, that'll be followed by a you know a little bit of an afternoon nap and uh, you know a few nibbles and a few drinks, and then at 7 p.m. we have the Eureka Australia Day dinner, the Eureka dinner, which we organise. The Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations Committee is organised. Uh, this year it'll be at the Ballarat Indian Restaurant at Seven Wainwright Street in Golden Point. Go to the website; all the information's there. If you want to guarantee your seat, we've got there'll be a bit, we've got sixty seats, ninety. We can push it up to ninety, a hundred if we have to. You know, there's a balcony, great food, Indian smorgasbord. Twenty bucks it costs. Uh, drinks extra. You have got to buy your own drinks at the bar but uh, 20 bucks, and if you have water, well, it's just $20, bucks, is not it? So, um, you know, you don't have to pay beforehand. You pay on the night. It's nice to know if you're coming because we can then guarantee you a seat. I mean, if you don't ring or email us, well, we can't guarantee you a seat, but that doesn't really matter. We'll make a seat for you. The thing is we want people there, and that night we have a very important guest speaker who will be talking about uh, Evelyn Healy. Uh, Unknown Eureka Champion uh, And Dr. Anne Beggs from the Federation University in Ballarat Historian at the Federation University in Ballarat Will be giving the uh, guest uh, talk And we'll also be making a special presentation to the Ballarat um, Trades Hall 'cause has got a little present for them So look, it's a great day You can come to all of it Do all the stations of Eureka That's how we uh, call it do the whole 18 hours or pop in and out as the day suits you. Come for the dinner, come for the dorm ceremony, come for the lunch, come for the stump oration, presentations of the Eureka medals, big day, won't be anything without you. As I said before, if you're coming, you can ring us or email us at anarchistage at yahoo. I mean, if you're coming, you don't have to do any of that. But if you want, you want to reserve a seat, you want to... Guarantee you've got a seat after the you know, after traping around Ballarat for thirteen kilometers, you know, over a twelve hour period. You want to guarantee you have a seat, give us a call 0439 395 489. 489. Email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com You've also got time to write to Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 A few more things to put on your calendar The next defend and extend public housing rally on the steps of Parliament House will be That's the Parliament House in Melbourne, Victoria Will be on Thursday the 8th of uh, December from 11.30am to 1.30pm We'll have a bevy of speakers And we'll tell you more about that as we go on If you want to learn more about Defend and Extend Public Housing, go to the Facebook page Defend and Extend Public Housing Victoria Get involved If you want to learn more about what the Anarchist Media Institute Is doing, go to anarchistmedia.org anarchistmedia.org And just to remind you that on the 20th of January, we've, we've also got The Tuna Minoway and Hina Memorial here in Melbourne Now if you're a bit distraught, you don't know what to do. You're concerned that we're about to replicate what happened in the 1920s. Well, don't despair. You can always join public interests before corporate interests. Slogging away there, direct action. We're involved. Uh, we are organising the the campaign to defend and extend public housing. Uh, we're involved in parliamentary activity in terms of trying to register. Uh, Public interest before corporate interest as a political party in this country. Because when you look at the political parties that are in the Senate today, you will see every mad right winger has got a parliamentary seat. But there are no mad left wingers and it's about time we had a few mad left wingers. So give us a call, O four three nine three nine five four eight nine, or more easily, just download the application form. P I B C I dot net Pibci, dot net. Go to the Facebook page, public interest before corporate interest. Go to the webpage, public interest before corporate interest dot net. So there's a lot of things to do. Join the Wednesday Action Group. A lot of things. Come to the Eureka Rebellion celebrations. Come to the Tanaminuwe Mo Mo commemoration the 25th of January. There's a, so, you know, everybody else may go to sleep during the next two months, but we're active. We're doing things we encourage your participation. We welcome your participation because if you want to trip up the uh, president-elect, uh, Donald Groper, and, and all his little mates in Australia, and there's lots of them coming out of the bottle because the, the genie bottle, the uh, top's been taken out of the bottle. They're all coming out, all lying in the sun, all trumping away. Wow. Join public interest before corporate interest. Remember this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3CR.org.au. 3CR.org.au. Like the program? Send it to your friends. Don't like it? Send it to your enemies. Maybe they've got better sense than you have. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. That number 04-39-395-489. Websites Pibsy dot net. Join the uh, download the application from anarchistmedia.org. Facebook page public interest before corp sorry Facebook page Defend and Extend Public House. And don't forget my own personal Facebook page. Yes, I've got one. And I've got and I need more friends and more likes because I want to be an internet warrior and do nothing. So the Facebook page, Toscano, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. It's all there. All up to you. Do what you like. you don't like it, bad luck. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Listen next week to the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds at blood destruction. Construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwash Oh, hands. Yeah.